Hello and welcome to Black Marriage Therapy, BMT. Here we become students of marriage in order to create healthy, long-lasting relationships. I'm your host, Junior Smith, and I'm back on the podcast, baby. In today's episode, we discuss men's roles and responsibilities in marriage with our amazing guest, Chris Matthews, LMFT. Today, we have the privilege of unpacking men's responsibility in marriage. Here's a little info on Chris Matthews. Chris is a highly accomplished licensed marriage and family therapist, certified life coach, and anger management specialist with a wealth of experience in counseling and coaching individuals, couples, and families for more than 20 years. Y'all wanted experience, so we got you experience. Chris is dedicated to empowering men to enhance their relationships and achieve personal growth in his book, Marriage Underdogs, A Man's Journey to Matrimony. And we're going to explore which ways men can contribute to thriving marriages and foster healthier relationships. So listen up to what this man has to say. All right, without further ado, let's welcome Chris Matthews to the show. Uh, Chris, my first question to you is this. I want you to introduce yourself to the people, uh, talk a little bit about your background, uh, your relationship, and most importantly, your why. Why are you doing this? Um, your LMFT, your book, all the things that you're doing is great. Give us your why. So uh, thanks for having me on the show. Um, Chris A. Matthews. I'm out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and I got into the field of marriage counseling uh, fairly young. My wife and I were dating in college, and after 15 months, we unexpectedly, we unexpectedly got pregnant with our first son. And I was you know, at a, a, a predominantly white institution at the time. And I went to a counseling center and I didn't see anybody in there that looked like me. And I, I then went to my church and got a really good prayer from my pastor. Uh, but there wasn't really any follow up. So my wife and I, we, we had to learn the hard way how to come together. And I had a lot of friends that were having kids, but they weren't developing families. And I knew I wanted a family, not just to be a father or um, have, a, have, you know, just a child in, in a co habitating relationship. I wanted a marriage. So my wife and I just did that work. We were very intentional about learning how. I think sometimes people think marriage or love is like the fairy tale where it's just supposed to automatically fit, but there has to be some some plans in play to make it work. And uh, after reading a lot of books and, you know, five years into my marriage, I look at my wife and I was like, hey, I I think I think we might have made it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 18 years later, we're still together, two additional kids. So we're now a family of five. And I went back to school and got a master's in marriage and family therapy because I didn't want to just talk about marriage from my, my interpretation or my opinion. I wanted to make sure that I was gaining all the knowledge possible and understanding research and methodologies because marriage is a sacred union. If someone's entrusted me with that responsibility, I didn't want to mess that up. So I'm constantly always getting training and education and experiences to just be the best I can be so God can use me as a vessel to help other couples. My why stems from that experience as a, as, as a young boy, a young man walking into a counseling center and not seeing anybody that look like me. And I believe that there are so many men that will not go to counseling or won't open up because they don't find a person they can relate to. So... I'm just relatable. I'm 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 a man. I'm I'm not attempting to judge anybody. And 
you know, I put my stuff out there and, and I make sure that I have a level of confidentiality when I work with clients and people respect that. They respect you being vulnerable and they respect you also respecting their, their information. Um, so my why is just to be that counselor that I didn't have when I was coming up. Wow. Wow. That's good. Listen, your why and my why is very similar. I've been blessed to have a lot of good role models in my life. And I want to make sure I'm doing my part with that blessing. I want to make sure I'm providing resources and giving information to men so they can be the best that they need to be in their marriage. And so that's actually the topic of discussion for today. Um, the central theme is becoming the man you need to be in your marriage. Just always becoming left to be done. Like I'm married. I still have becoming to be done. You still have becoming. The man who's about to get married, they have a lot of becoming. And so I want to talk about that. And the biggest tool or biggest thing that we need when we talk about becoming the man we need to be is responsibility. You can't have that becoming happen without taking responsibility. And so uh, I have some questions for you that um, I'm going to start with the hot question. You know, if we have more time, I can ease into it, but start with the hot question um, and talk about some scenarios or uh, some things that men face in their marriage and they're not talking about it. So we need to talk about it so they can hear that there's an answer. So first question is, what should a man do in his marriage if he's feeling feeling done? Because this, I come across this sometimes. They feel done. Either he's exhausted, um, they want, they're looking at divorce, as a matter of fact, or maybe even emotionally cheating, or even actually stepping on their wife. What is a man's responsibility towards his his wife in that moment, or and towards the marriage in that moment when he's going through that? Absolutely. So you know, your question is, what do men? need to do if they're feeling done in their marriage. The first thing a man needs to do is realize his power. Mm. When I sit down with a couple, I'll meet individually with both partners first to do a brief assessment. And I always look at the man and it's almost like a scene out of Black Panther. It's like, you don't even know who you are. Like you don't <laughs> realize the influential power that you have on your entire family system. And if a man feels like he's just done with the marriage, then I would suggest that he first and foremost look within himself to understand what does he need to do to better communicate the messages, the needs, the wants, what direction is he bringing his family? Because usually if he feels like he's done, then he's not getting something from his wife. And if he's not getting what he needs from his wife, that means she usually is done too in the sense of not trusting him or not believing in him. So a lot of times we look at the follower, but we need to look at the leader too. So what is it about that man that is preventing him to develop a level of trust. And I think you, we got to be real, right? This is man tag over. Let's be real. Yeah. When a man messes up with your homeboys, we can fight it out. Yeah. Look at the rug, keep moving. Women ain't like that. We, no. we can't mess up in the marriage and be like, all right, my bad. Cool. You're going to keep trusting me the same level. Mm. No. So usually when men are done, they're expecting the woman to just be like, my bad. You good. Keep trusting me. And yeah. we have the re we have the responsibility to go back and repair the attachment wound that we might have created that we didn't know that still existed. Okay. It might have been you was cheating while y'all was dating before marriage, but now you married and you're like, that was 10 years ago. You ain't got over that yet. Nah, bro, she ain't over it yet. Cause you didn't take the time to go back to make sure she was over it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's the real big responsibility. Okay. We gotta be responsible for ourselves. Damn, you put it back on them. That's crazy. I thought you were gonna say something like, oh yeah, go ahead and look for that that whatever you're missing in marriage, the responsibility is back on, on the guy who's feeling that to go through those feelings and communicate 
with his wife, which is which is very difficult. So I have another situation um, that can be hard to communicate for men. So what is the man's responsibility when it comes to insecurity with finances? You got to we got to talk about that because so many ways you can be insecure. Maybe you don't know where the next check is coming from. You know, you want to be a provider, you know, or uh, more popular one that's going on now is my wife is making more money than me. And that makes me feel some, some, some sort of way. And so I have that insecurity when it comes to finances. What is his responsibility um, when it comes to insecurity as far as finances go? Mm-hmm. When, when men look at providing, we, we tend to only think of money and finances. Yeah. We have to broaden our spectrum of what providing looks like. I was lucky enough to be uh, raised in a really good neighborhood where we were close to our neighbors and there were a few black families in the neighborhood and in other races as well, but there was a black family that lived right beside us. And the husband was a carpenter and he, he made cabinets. He had his own business. He was a phenomenal carpenter, but his wife was a VP at a large bank. So no matter how many cabinets he sold, he wasn't going to get his weight up to make the same amount of money as wife. But he provided in so many other ways. Plus she had had a prior marriage that was toxic with an abusive man. So, what we have to do as men when we have insecurity around money is understand how we can provide in addition to finances. So don't get me wrong. My, my neighbor, he actually was um, a, a godfather of mine too. We grow, we grew really close, still are close to this day. He's always provided financially, maybe not been the same amount as his wife, but when you think about his ability to child rear, he was always coaching teams with his kids in the sports. He was always present. He actually has some really good culinary skills as well. So because she might have traveled around the country as a bank executive, he wasn't a stay-at-home dad just in the sense of that being his only role because he was still bringing in financial income too. But he provided so many other areas that she didn't need him to make more money. So Mm -hmm. we make this automatic assumption that our wife needs us to make more money than them. Some women need that. So at that point, you need to look at mate selection. What does your partner need? that you're not providing that you can pick your weight up if you're not making the most money. Wow. No, that's amazing. That's amazing. Okay. So my next question is this, you kind of touched on this a little bit. If you have more to give, then that's, that's fair. But if you don't, you already kind of answered this question. Honestly speaking, that was such a great answer. What is a man's responsibility when it comes to leadership and letting both partners lead? I know you've heard it before said by John Gottman, the greatest determination of a marriage uh, working out is the man's ability to be influenced by his wife. And so you have a man who may not be giving his wife the time of day. He's not being influenced by her. Maybe he thinks his ideas are better, yada, yada, yada. Right. Uh, What's the man's responsibility when it comes to leadership in the marriage? Yeah. Leaders do what they have to do, not always what they feel like. doing. And and Godman talks about that in the seven habits of um, seven principles of marriage. And one of the principles is influencing each other. And, and what, you, what you're describing makes sense because when you get off work as a man, I've done it. I've took you two laps around the neighborhood. I've sat in the garage a little bit, <laughs> right? And, and you wait on the kids to come get you out the car. <laughs> They're looking out the window, right? Daddy, Daddy's here, it. but he's not Daddy's in the house. Here. He's just not coming in the house yet, right? Because <laughs> Daddy's trying to get his mind right before he clocked into the second shift job, which is parenting and being a husband, right? Okay. So the responsibility in leadership is to do things you may not always feel like doing and utilizing rituals and routines, which Gottman talks about as well, to be able to go in that house and communicate and say, hey, babe, the first person I'm going to go to in my house is my wife. I'm going to check in with her. Because a, a good marriage is about the little things. 
it's the little things that add up into the big things. We think making the money or extravagant yeah. vacation or holidays, the leadership starts with doing the little things every day. That's where the leadership starts as a man. I'm going to come into the house and speak to my wife, even though I'm tired and I want to watch the ball game or sit back and relax for a second. I'm going to include my wife as a ritual and routine and make her part of what I'm thinking, feeling, and doing. So it's not going to be an exclusion or this distance that develops naturally in a marriage. Mm, wow. Okay. Well, you, you're answering all my questions before I can ask them. I'm going to need you to stop. <laughs> <laughs> my next question is about vulnerability and you already answered it, my guy. No, but I'm, I'm going to ask it anyway. A lot of times we put the weight of the world on our shoulders as men. I think society praises you for that. As a matter of fact, you got to be a superhero. Black women as well. They got the same stigma. You have to be a superwoman. Uh, however, you understand if you don't have a safe place to go to, if you don't have a source of strength for yourself, if you don't have someone pouring into you, you can't give what you don't have. You're not going to make it in that marriage where I'm the man. I put everything on my shoulders. Right. And so um, speak more about that vulnerability with your wife, because I find just for myself, I feel like that's part of the answer when it comes to that man de-stressing and not having all of the weight of the marriage and world on his shoulders coming home and being like, not only am I going to be transparent with what happened, but I'll be vulnerable, vulnerable. Let me tell you how this situation makes me feel. Let me explain to you how exhausted I am mentally right now or physically right now. I feel like that's a part of uh, regaining some of that strength that we can give back to our wife. So speak more about the importance of that. Absolutely. So so let's slow down first and define what vulnerability is. Right? Yes. Because we, we use that word vulnerability like it's this amazing thing, which it is. Yes. But it's a risk. At the end of the day, vulnerability is the risk. It's the risk that you take to be received or the risk you take to be rejected. So when you come home to your partner and you're vulnerable, she may be able to receive that. She may not be able to receive that and you might get rejected, but that doesn't mean you stop being vulnerable because vulnerability is the gateway to connection. Sometimes your partner will walk through it. Sometimes they won't, but with men and women too, we tend to, away from vulnerability because when you look at it everyone's naturally been vulnerable but when we hit rejection we were less vulnerable think about it there's something you want to share to your wife you come home and you're like baby i gotta tell you something and she on the phone with pam and she be, and she's just ignoring you and you're like man i ain't gonna tell her now she on the phone with pam i'm all excited you just got rejected but you was trying to be vulnerable and tell her about some good news today so then the next day you come home with some good news, she on the she on the phone with Pam, you just like, mm, I got rejected last time. I'm not going to do that. So then over time, she looks at you like, you don't even come to me no more. Mm. Remember 10 years ago when we was on the phone with Pam and I got rejected? <laughs> so vulnerability is taking the consistent risk every day and understanding that it doesn't always mean that your partner going to walk through that door. You might get rejected. But if you slam that door permanently, then resentment will build, disconnection starts to form. Mm, wow. I like that a lot. You know, there's a risk associated with, with being vulnerable, for sure. Most definitely. I think another area of vulnerability for men would be uh, personal growth. I think personal growth is what, it's the lifeblood of the marriage because two people are two individuals. We're growing, we're bettering ourselves. At the same time, we're coming together to make this marriage work. But it's still two people, right? You have your thing. I have my thing. We're, we're trying to grow. And so uh, this is more so a tool I'm going to ask you for, because 
we already have the idea that we need to do our part, but sometimes it's tiring, sometimes it's exhausting, sometimes without even knowing it, we stop. So could you speak to the importance of personal development, knowing yourself, right? And how that impacts the marriage? Yeah, so as a marriage and family therapist, we're big on different modalities and um, theorists and interventions and techniques. And um, Bowenian therapy is, is a model that focuses on um, what we call differentiation of self, right? Mm. And to be differentiated means that you have a strong understanding of who you are, what you need in conjunction to what your partner needs and who they are. Okay. So when you look at a relationship, you're bringing 100% of yourself into a shared space. If you stop working on that 100%, which is all of you, then you're bringing less of value, you're bringing less value into the relationship. So personal growth is essentially the responsibility to continue to build up you because when your partner met you before you became a couple, they were attracted to that 100%. And I find a lot of times men and women for that matter, they lose parts of who they were during the dating phase when they get married and then there's a lack of attraction because you're no longer the person your partner was attracted to. You used to take personal time to stay in shape. Hmm. You used to take personal time to work on your career. You used to take personal time to read or aspire to in, in, um, acquire more wealth. You used to take personal time to just hang out with friends to de-stress. So when you don't take that personal time in a marriage to grow, personal growth time, then you're depleting who your partner initially was attracted to. Mm. Help, help me learn how to have self-awareness to notice that I'm depleting the person that my spouse was attracted to. Because sometimes life gets in the way. That's why I'm not hanging out with the homeboy. That's why I'm not in the gym. We got five kids. We got three kids. We got a business. That's another kid, honestly speaking. And so help me have that self-awareness. Teach, teach me. Tell me what it is that I can do to um, have that self-awareness, which is going to help me maintain right? My personal growth, it'll show me those areas that I'm lacking in, right? Show my strengths and my weaknesses. Yeah. The, the first tool or thing you can do is ask your partner. I, I believe that we don't, we don't receive feedback from, from our partners. And then the other thing we can do is stop attempting to read minds. We'll read our partner's mind. Mm, I want to go out with the homeboys, but I was traveling this week. I know she ain't going to want me to go out with them. So I'm not even going to ask. Or Man, she's struggling. She got an attitude, but I really want to go to the gym. Man, I'm just going, I ain't going to ask. I'm going to just stay at the house. But we keep assuming that our partner doesn't want us to have our personal growth time. So then we write this narrative in our head that we can't have it. Mm. And we end up blaming them for something that they never even told us we couldn't do or have. So we got to stop thinking for our partner or thinking just because they're presenting a certain attitude or mood that that requires us to then not be able to do what we need to do. And it comes from our family of origin. You know, I, I'm sure if you were raised in a household where one parent got upset, changes the whole climate of the household. Yeah. We tend to adopt that same parent-child role unintentionally in a marriage where, man, my wife is upset today or she's having a bad day. And we think we need to wear that stress. So you don't have to wear your partner's stress because what'll happen is you'll suck yourself into thinking that you're this fixer or you're this... This, this godly-like figure that, man, I can't take care of me because I got to hold her stuff. Or I got to hold the kid's stuff. But if you don't put the oxygen mask on you first, then everybody drowns, right? Everybody mm -hmm. falls down. So making sure to not read your partner's mind and tell them, hey, look, I know you're having a hard day. I'm having a hard day as well. What would make me better is to go to the gym, 
de-stress for a couple hours, watch the ball game with some my homeboys. And when I come back, I'll have the capacity to hold where you are. Hmm. I'll have the strength. But if we both deplete it, then how are we going to pick this okay. thing up? Okay, I'm going to need you to help me some more because I like what you're saying. The reason why I'm not communicating those things sometimes is because it's hard. I'm going to need you to give me a tool. Teach me how to have the hard conversations. Mm -hmm. I want to anticipate my wife because it's going to be complicated coming out my mouth. I don't want to hurt her. I don't know how to have the conversation. So my mm -hmm. communication dwindles. That's the reason why I'm talking to myself because I'm afraid to talk to my wife. Right, right. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and drop this down on you. <laughs> right? It's fun. You can the whole session out of it, but I got you. <laughs> I like you. So I'm going to go ahead and give you this one. At Black Marriage Therapy, we believe that investing in your relationship is one of the most important things you can do. That's why we're thrilled to announce we're launching an exclusive online course designed specifically for couples like you. So if you're ready to take your marriage to new heights, build a foundation of love, understanding, and resilience that can withstand any storm, we invite you to join us in this online course. In this course, we teach a range of topics from effective communication and conflict resolution to intimacy, trust building, and personal growth and development in marriage. But it's not all about theoretical knowledge. We'll provide you with actionable exercises, aka homework, interactive discussions, and personalized guidance so you can apply what you learn directly to your own relationship. Don't miss this amazing opportunity to interact directly with us and other couples who are on the same journey. The course begins the first week of July, and spaces are limited in order to create an intimate, engaging learning environment. So reserve your spot early. All you need to do is click the link in our show notes to book a pre-enrollment call with us to get registered right away. Thank you all for joining us on this exciting journey. Women communicate on the frequency of feelings. If you're communicating with your wife and you're using feeling words, it'll always be received. What that looks like is, baby... I'm feeling depleted right now. Baby, I feel empty. Baby, my value is lessened right now. Baby, I, 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 I feel like the walls of the world are closing on me right now, right? Being vulnerable with feelings, right? And pause. Allow your partner to hear a feeling because what happens in a woman's brain, no matter what she's going through, she'll hear that feeling and immediately switch into wanting to hear more because men don't typically lead with feelings. We lead with logic. And what leading with logic looks like is, so um, I've been home all day with the kids. You were out, you got your hair done. So now it's my turn, right? Women don't hear that. Now we in tit for tat. Now we in right and wrong. Mm. If you present with a feeling, you'll gain more grace from your partner, especially your wife. She'll be able to hear you and go, okay, he's leading with a feeling. Right? I've seen it in counseling every time. A woman can be on 10, a man on 10. I said, hey, tell what you're feeling. And this is the thing. You have word charts, feelings word chart. They're feeling word charts. You can Google feelings word charts, and they'll come up. Getting your feeling word vocabulary up will allow you to be able to penetrate to your wife in a way where she sees the words outside of just the right and wrong. But men aren't naturally programmed like that. We're programmed logically. We think that we present the plan of, yeah. okay, you were you were out for four hours, then I deserve four hours, and we try to put in a, a math equation together. A woman don't hear that. She, she wants to hear that you need something from her to feel as if she's fulfilling her wifely duty, right? 
a woman wants to make sure a, a good woman. These are good women to yeah. care. For. Yeah, they want to nurture that feeling in you. And if you don't present that feeling in you, she doesn't hear it. She doesn't know what to connect or latch onto. Right? Think about a baby or a child. You have children. What old are your children? How old are your children? Uh, three years old and one years old. Okay. So your children under five, they can go over to your wife and look like they're about to start crying. What's she going to do? She's going to pick them up. Immediately, no matter what she's going through. She yeah. could have just been yelling at her boss, mad. She, because they're giving her an immediate emotion by way of nonverbal, and she's naturally going to be there to, to step in. Now, I'm not telling men they got to go look like they're about to cry, <laughs> but they have to go to their wives and say, hey, babe. And it could be a statement. The tool is using an emotional statement. Hey, I'm struggling right now and I need your help. What happens if you tell your wife something like that? Or, hey, babe, the, the walls are closing in and I just, I just, I just got to get away. I'm, I'm, I'm hurting right now. Like, what is your wife going to tell you? A real, a real woman that loves you, when she yeah. hears something that deep, what's she going to do? Yeah, she's she going to appreciate it. I feel like as you're talking, I'm thinking about all the times my wife has asked me to do that specifically, where it's like, oh, tell me how you feel. Oh, open up. Oh, what? but it's just, I don't understand how to do that specifically. So I just give her more logic. Oh, open up. I'm like, okay, so how was work? Oh, it was, it was good. Oh, open up. I'm like, okay, I went to the bathroom. I worked on this project. <laughs> what you want me to say? I talked to my boss for a little bit. You know what I mean? And so- You know what she wants you to say? She wants you to say, when Steve made- a comment in the staff meeting that had some microaggression behind it. I got mad. That's what she wants you to say. She wants you to describe how when it was Juneteenth and, you know, people were at work and they made a collard green joke and you were the only black person in the room. Hey. I That's what she wants you to say. And they all look at you like. Right. Just... She wants to hear those experiences. Man. That's those are experiences that you don't talk to her about. No, because I don't I don't find value in bringing it to her because I've already suppressed it. So by the time I'm home, I've already agreed with myself. It was nothing. I don't need to discuss it. And here she is wanting to discuss that very thing with me, which is what I love about marriage. Honestly speaking, it's like if we do it right, we can heal each other and we can bear each other's emotional burdens if we're doing it right. Um, you already gave me gold. So I'm going to ask for some more gold because I love that the way you just explained it to men. So you said something so profound. You said that leading with feelings is how women hear men, right? So I want you to help men, uh, help the women here. What do the women need to say for the men to hear them? How, how are they supposed to lead, right? We want to break down the walls of communication. You just did that for me when it comes to me expressing myself to my wife. She's going to hear me if I use these feeling statements. I can look it up, which I will, by the way. Yeah, so, so do the same thing for women. Yeah, so women, men want direction. Men like to win. That's why we can never win too many championships, right? I think there was a Bill Durant-Booker um, teaming up, right, for the Suns. The trade went through. Why? Because they're trying to get another championship. They're trying, like, they want to win. Like, yes. Durant wants championships, right? So the point in me saying that is men can't win too much. So the way you talk to your man is you set it up for him to win. So giving him instructions. Say, hey, babe, I had an exhausting day at work, and then a woman runs a play. So you cook dinner, and I bathe the kids, and then you help out with dishes, ready, break. A man knows the play. Okay, I cook dinner, do dishes, she gets the kids ready, 
ready, break. Like men like that. We want to know a play. We want to have a plan because we don't want to be assuming stuff. So if a woman tells a man what they need and give instruction for us to follow, right? People want to give and receive. That's a relationship. It's not just take, 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 take. So if you need something from your man, not saying he won't do it voluntarily out of love, but it's nice to know that you've thought about what he needs too. And a lot of times women will get in this fictitious mindset that you're just supposed to do it for me. And even men, you're supposed to do it for me. No, nobody owe you nothing. Just because you marry, you don't owe your partner nothing. Every day your marriage needs to start over. It's the old school movie Groundhog Day. I forgot the actor's name, but but he's a popular actor. He played in Ghostbusters. Bill Murray, right? Bill Murray. And in the in the movie, he he wakes up every day and has to fall in love again with his with this woman he's trying to the court, right? Mm. That's how your marriage needs to be. Every single day, I'm falling in love with my wife. I can give her a house, a diamond ring, and a car, and then the next day she's like, "So, so what's the day, baby?" Like it don't. You can't stack it up, right? So you have to look at the marriage as every day. What am I doing to fall in love with my wife or my husband? Hmm. Wow. 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 No, I. I hear that. I like the way you said um, speaking more towards the way he understands things, which should be like, hey, set the play just like that. And just kind of making it easy to see the progression of what's happening next, like first, second, third. And also even saying, and I'm going to um, emphasize this, saying what he could do, right, to make her day better. So she's like, if you hold on the kids, oh, I need, I'm going to take a bubble bath. I need some self, some self-care. I need you to do this. Because I even find sometimes women are, are scared to do that, to be honest with you, yeah. to, even, to even require that of their husband, to require more. You got some women in here, they, they, just, they just do it all. They just, you know what the woman will tell you? They'll be like, but he won't do it. Well, have you asked? Yeah, I asked 10 years ago. He said no, so he won't do it anymore. Like, no. I think we, we, we're so afraid of rejection in marriage, right? Like, yeah. we'll get rejected one time by a partner and just never do it again. And, and we got to realize that and we said we're going to be with you forever. Yeah, that's the thing. That's that's what's so funny. We made a commit. This is the safest place you can be, actually, because no matter what you do, sickness, health, wealth, broke. I already said in front of God, you and all of our loved ones, mm-hmm. I'm going to be there forever. But I love yeah. how you said that's not the way every day plays out, though. Because it, ta- it takes practice, though. My wife and I, for 18 years, have practiced asking each other what we both needed more. And the need and wants aren't always the same, right? Like there's certain things my wife might need from me that I give her that I may not want to do. I may not want to get the kids picked up that day from practice because I'm tired, but she needs me to go do that. I may not want to go to the grocery store. I may not want to do certain things. She may not want to do certain things, but there's usually a reward. Right. Like and and then back to your point about how women can talk to men. Men are naturally fixers. So if you don't give us a problem to fix. It's really hard to talk to us because we're we're listening like, so what do I do? I learned you're talking directly to me. Okay, directly to me. Right. And and then what we realize is, men, this is a hard lesson for us. Feeling and listening is actually fixing sometimes. But we don't know that. Yes. We'll sit there and be like, well, we didn't yes. do nothing. We just listened. And the wife was like, yeah, but you made me feel better. Yes. And the man's like, but I didn't do anything. Sheila's still going to go to work tomorrow and give you hell. So me listening to how Sheila and you didn't get along, what did that do for you? 
well, you heard me. Yeah, but I didn't fix nothing. You still gonna go tomorrow, your manager's gonna be mean to you. And then I'm gonna listen to it again. And, and But yeah, yeah, you were present with me. That's all I needed to know mm. emotionally that I wasn't alone. You helped fill me back up when I got beaten down by Sheila's comments all day at work today, right? Mm. So it's like, men, it goes back to the first question you asked. A man wanting to leave usually doesn't recognize his influential value on his wife, right? That's the leadership part. If you are a man listening and you want to leave your marriage, get a coach, get a counselor that is successful in their marriage as a man that can walk you through an assessment to determine where your leadership gaps are. Most of the time, if a man is feeling that way, it's usually something he did a long time ago that he hasn't been able to gain uh, forgiveness for. And, and then he has a hierarchical perspective. She should be over that. Well, how did you help her get over that? She still, you cheated on her, but now she wants to look at your cell phone and you're like, nah, you should be over that. So sometimes we as men will create things in our women that we tend to not go back and repeat. Mm, come on, man. Come on. Right? A lot of our women's trauma, we probably created in some capacity, but we didn't repair it. Man, I need more time. I just, I have one question for you, and then I'll ask you for, we always end the interview with um, three tips. So I'll ask you for three tips. But my last question is, why? What What's the purpose of marriage? I, you talk about not doing stuff that you want to do. Sometimes you got to pick up the kids. You don't want to pick up the kids. You mentioned um, learning how to communicate. So now you got to learn how... Your woman is hearing you, so you got to do that. You mentioned going back and healing those areas that you have inspired pain and hurt in her. Now you got to go back and fix it. It can take three years. It could take five months. It could take 12 years to repair that, you know, in mm-hmm. the marriage. And you talk about being vulnerable every day. You talk about learning to love your wife every single day. That's a lot of work. That's a lot. So to the guy who's thinking about getting married or the guy who's, like I said before, done with the idea of marriage, you're here talking about saving marriages and man's journey to marriage and matrimony. What's in it for me, for the man? The purpose of marriage is to have more with another person than what you would have had by yourself. Marriage is about multiplying value and worth. And if you haven't identified your own value and worth, or you selected a mate whose value and worth is an equivalent, if not better, then marriage does lack purpose at that point. Because if you think about marriage, it's a, it's a union to grow and prosper, to have more, not less. And if your marriage has vines or, or branches that aren't producing any fruit, the goal of getting with a good counselor is to prune those vines so they can grow back stronger. So you might need to prune resentment. You might need to prune some 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 fights that you had earlier in the relationship. You might need to prune some selfishness. Right. You got to cut some of those dead vines off and allow for new branches to grow back. And that requires discomfort. It requires letting ego go to the wayside. Right. And what I'll tell you is if you're listening and you're in a stressful period of your marriage, it's worth it because the numbers tell us. Second marriages have a 75% divorce rate. Third marriages have an 82% divorce rate. So it's not really green on the other side, right? So if your partner hasn't breached 
something that you just can't live with anymore. Like my wife and I, we we don't cheat because we know from day one that's something neither of us can live with. So we just don't do it. I mean, I don't want to sound that simple about it, but there's certain relationships where if you to like I, I met, I, I do a lot of counseling with partner. I met a partner. She said, I don't mind, you know, I can repair cheating, but if he had a baby by somebody else, couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> And, and and he was a serial cheater. He had a baby by somebody else. She called me and said, Chris, thank you for your time. You did a phenomenal job, but we're not going to continue with the relationship anymore. He, had, he got somebody pregnant. So, so knowing your boundaries, right? But when you think about marriage, at the end of the day, it's the production of more with another person than what you would have by yourself. Wow. And if you're not getting that, you got to go do the work. But I've seen so many marriages come back to life. I'm a firm believer that when you integrate faith, hope, individual counseling, the couple's counseling, doing the work, a sheer commitment, any marriage can turn around. But both people got to want that. Man, that definition sounded like you thought about that. That's the purpose of marriage. Wow. Having more together than you would by yourself. You got to work it though to get that more. Don't just you think you get married, so now you're married. You have a family, so you have a family. You got to work the family. You got to work the marriage. You got to work for the wife that you want. Work for the person that you want to be in the marriage. All of that comes with work. But you, but the work should, but the work should be fun though, right? Yeah. Like that's the part that we got to look at. I use that word work. People, most people don't like going to their job. Like Chris, I don't like going to work. Well, think about if you had the best job or the job you would like to have. That's what marriage is supposed to be about. So when I use that word work. Right. I love speaking. I love educating. I love counseling. I love writing books. I love doing these things. It's still work. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't yeah. mean that word work has to be something you don't enjoy. I enjoy speaking to my wife every night. And we have a routine where we go to the gym in the morning. Okay. We, we go get our cup of coffee. Well, first drop kids off at school, get a cup of coffee. We sit in the car in the gym parking lot for an hour, do our devotion, talk, then go to the gym. Right. Like that's our ritual. And then once a month we do a staycation, two day staycation. And then once a year we do a big trip, just couples, just us two. Yes. We'll do a family trip. Right. But this is part of our marital developmental plan. Right. When we got married, we wrote down a constitution of things we wanted to do. So a lot of couples don't build their business of marriage, right? You think about a business as a business plan. Yes. You have a marital plan. There's certain things you got to ask your partner before saying I do. A lot of times people get married for a wedding and not a marriage. You know, we, we didn't have a wedding. 18 years in, we still have not had a wedding. We got married when we were broke, poor, tattered clothing, and a two-year-old looking up as I place a ring on his mother's hand and a magistrate behind a glass window way before COVID. Right. Nobody had hairdos and flowers and cake. We didn't have a wedding. And all the people I know who getting divorced now had these big old weddings. Right. So I'm not knocking a big wedding. Yeah. Either. Yeah. All right, you know, in this day and age, people get mad if you, you got to play both sides. I'm not saying it's a bad <laughs> thing. But what I am saying is that you, you have to understand what you want. And, and that's really in my book, Marriage Under Dogs yes, and Marriage about- Matrimony. Yes. Moving to my personal development. Uh-huh. So I could be a husband and father that can hold down a family. And a lot of men may not desire to commit, 
because in the back of our head, we think there has to be some magical number of income we need to make. Yeah. We think that we need to have our stuff together with a car and a house. You got to have your stuff together emotionally, but your partner can help you build that if you come together with your emotional stuff intact, with your commitments intact. So you can't go to a marriage and you already plan on cheating. <laughs> right? So there are other things we need to invest in building up, not just the monetary piece, but having the other things. You have a lot of wealthy men that don't have emotional intelligence, but they have a good bank account. Or they may not have the intentions based on poor role models. Well, all the men in my family, like they might say, well, all the men in their family cheated. So they're going to cheat. And then even women will come into a marriage. Well, I'm expecting that to happen because that's what my parents did. And then a little bit into the marriage, they realize I don't want that. <laughs> so, yeah. so doing the self-work is important, man. Wow. Uh, there's there's nothing more for you to say. I mean, wow. Um, man, you mentioned, I was going to ask you for tips. You already gave the tips. Emotional intelligence. I heard you say that. Having yeah. a commitment going into the marriage. I heard you say that. Already those tips right there, right? Not just the finances, but having more to give than um, finances, preparing yourself in other ways, right? Coming into the marriage with that, which is which is amazing. Um, and, and one more, one more piece too. This is okay. Huge. Okay, I'll take it. Staying clear of family pressures. Hmm. I know people who get married because. They have a family member who, usually a mother, right? Yes. These are adult men that are doing well. When well, you gonna give me some grandbabies? And you might have a man that has a job where he travels the world. He travels the world. He could be um, in, in a profession that he loves, going to different countries, has no desire to have a family to get married. Ends up doing it just out of the social pressures of everyone telling him he's supposed to do that. Not everybody's supposed to get married. Mm. Same for women. Not every woman has to have kids. Mm. Not every man and woman has to get married. So, so don't fall into these social pressures that you have to do something. Um, you know, I tell people live your life the way you want to live your life, and I, I think that's missing in our society. Wow, everybody's trying to fit some mold, and then you have broken marriages because the person never wanted to be married to start with. Man, okay, listen, since you're still here, one more question. How do you figure out whether you want to do that? Speak to that guy who's been with the girl two years, three years. You know, I believe you know at two years, three years, like you know if you want to be with this person, right? So if you're with the guy and he doesn't know and it's been three years, four years, I think he knows, right? So that guy who's been with the woman two years, three years, and there's no movement yet, you know, we're still dating. She doesn't know if he wants to marry her. Like you said, not every guy needs to get married. How do I? Most men who are married, happily married, they knew if they wanted to get married before they even started dating. Oh. It was a mindset they went into the, the courtship with, right? I believe you date for marriage. You either date to have frequent sex partners or you date for marriage. There are only two reasons why you date. You date to have somebody to spend time with that you can have sex with or you date one person that you want to develop and grow to see if this is going to be your wife or your husband. Only two dating paths. What happens is these paths get intertangled inter 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 um, where the person is dating just for sex, end up getting somebody pregnant. Guess I got to marry you now. Okay. Or they're dating for sex and there's an infatuation. And then it's like 
well, I don't want nobody else to be having sex with you, so I'm going to get married. <laughs> but then you got this other set of men that are like, yo, I want to have kids. I only want to commit to one woman. I know I want that. They go seek that. That's what they go get. Like, they're looking for that. They're not... I think people... Women have this idea that men can transition from being a dog. No. And, and this is something. I got a buddy I met in high school, really good friend of mine. To this day, we're really close friends. And he told me one of the saddest things the other day. He said, I, I was I made a comment. I said, hey man, um, man, you know, I love, I love being intimate with my wife, man. Like, you know, I'm I'm really gonna rarely ever turn her down. Like I just love my wife's body, I love that connection. And he was like, Yeah, I can't do that. I was like, what do you mean you can't do that? He said, and I, I can't have sex with my wife all the time because if I have sex with her all the time, I'm going to be wanting something different. But I knew this guy in high school. He always had sex with different women his mm-hmm. whole entire childhood, young adulthood. I mean, his 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 sex count, you know, up there, right? <laughs> so so any anybody that's listening that thinks that you as a man got to go soil your oats, that's not a good idea if you plan on being committed to a married partner one day, right? Like, Cause, cause you got all those experiences, you got all those, you know, soul attachments, right? And, and you don't want to create those, 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 those soul ties, and then try to get married, cause you're gonna have those memories and those yes. thoughts. So protect your mind and protect your body. Men need to understand our bodies are temples too, right? Like if you're a man and you think that you're just gonna go have a bunch of sex and then just stop one day. Like, no, nah, that's that's, a, that's nah. not a good idea. Like, you know, that's what I was saying. Men know based on their behavior. Wow. Like, get your behavior right. If you go into the strip club and you got all these infatuations and then you got 15, 20 male, female friends you used to have sex with and you're going to keep them as friends. And you got them in your phone. Like, no, it's too much, man. And I'm, I'm not trying to get biblical, but I think, I'm paraphrasing, there was a verse in the Bible talking about, you can't worship two masters. Nah, nah. You can't, nah, you can't do two things at once. So, so if you don't want to be married and you want to worship the master of having sex with different women, do that. Don't mess up a good woman for another man because you Ooh. wanted to be greedy. You know how many women out here broken because they had some dude that just wanted to be greedy, messing her up for the next dude? <laughs> hey, man, listen, you got to stop talking so I can let you go, bro, because... <laughs> You're going to say something else, and I'm going to just ask you another question, because I want to hear it all. This is good, man. I appreciate you having me on. And um, just all the listeners out there, the book is called Marriage Underdogs, A Man's Journey to Matrimony. And the Marriage Underdogs brand was actually based on research. Uh, I went through a lot of different uh, articles and statistics and data and identified 10 of the most prevalent reasons why couples divorce. Some of these reasons are not really of your own doing. If partners are coming from divorced households where both of their parents were divorced, they're 200% more likely to get divorced themselves. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't get married. Um, If you have children within 18 months, two kids within 18 months of each other, that can be an indicator. Um, If you cohabitated, if you have um, gotten married before 25, I mean, these are different statistics and I don't want anybody to think I'm judging because my wife and I have seven out of 10 of them. So we wrote the book, or I wrote the book, Marriage Underdogs, to highlight that even if you have the odds against your marriage being successful, you can still do the work. 
you can still be intentional and have a thriving marriage. So these odds and these statistics and data don't determine if you have a healthy marriage. You do. And you want to be aware of it. If you have a diagnosis in your family of heart disease, then you know, okay, if, if Papa had a heart attack, Daddy had a heart attack, I might need to eat better and exercise and get my checkup because it runs in my family. So the, the book Marriage Underdogs talks about how there's certain things that run within a family that can enhance or um, increase your chances of divorce in the same way you tackle heart disease, diabetes, and blood pressure, which run in your family. We got to look at marriage the same way. We can prevent divorce if we understand the signs and symptoms or the risk factors. Okay. So Marriage Underdog is about the risk factors. Learn them so you can prevent them in your own marriage. Wow. Wow. There you have it, folks. Listen, Chris, this has been amazing, bro. The pleasure has been all mine to do this interview with you. Thank you for taking the time uh, to be with us here on the podcast. Um, listen, I'm going to close this out. Do you have anything else uh, that you want to plug or mention? Um, the book? Where, where, where can we find the book? It's on Amazon. Okay. Uh, if you Google marriage underdogs, a man's journey to matrimony to pop up. It's uh, currently in uh, print form and um, ebook form. Audible will be releasing the, um, the, the, the audio book in, in two weeks coming out. But right now it is available for print. Also, if you are um, of, of a church or any type of community um, center or, or and you host Speakers. I've been doing a lot of speaking engagements for churches and organizations around um, positive masculinity, uh, expecting the expected, making sure that we talk about our mental health when it comes to just uh, getting rid of um, thought distortions. Like everyone's trying to read everybody's mind. Uh, also, uh, Marriage Underdogs has a, a workshop component to it. In addition to my first book, Finding Your Relationship Fix. So I'm just on a mission to impact relationships, professional and personal relationships. And I'm doing that by way of books, counseling, coaching, and just being used, letting God use me wherever he takes me. Man, listen, from what I heard today, it sounds like God's using you mightily, my guy. Um, I've learned so much from this conversation. I hope those men who are listening to this conversation um, have so much to take away, right? Find something that you can work on, right, from this conversation, right? And never stop learning. You want to keep gaining more education, keep uh, finding more tools, more resources, right, to better your marriage, right? Because we're, 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 that's what we are, students of marriage, students of love. All right, you all, thank you so much for joining us here on this episode. It's been a, a man takeover. If you love these episodes, let us know so we can continue doing it. I'm Junior Smith. This is the end of the episode. Peace.